1: You're in the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. This is the
2: show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. And welcome to the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And you're on the Spirit Lounge tonight with Mark and Claudine and Rachel.
0: Yeah, you are. Hello. Yes.
2: And tonight we're going, to start, we're going to be talking about religious clothing or things that you wear of religious nature later in the show. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you have any questions for us, as always, please send us a text on 0427JOY949. Or you can email us at onair@joy.org.au at Or you can s- contact us via the Contact Us or, um, part of the app.
0: Yeah. Exactly right. So, guess what we have on tonight, guys?
2: Close. Are you ready
1: for a miracle?
0: Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready a miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready a miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready a miracle? Are you a Are you ready a a Are We've just had so much other stuff going on and we've taken up holy days as the entire show, so why not have a uh, separate holy day this week and a good place to start is with Baisakhi, which is a vibrant harvest festival of the Punjab. Uh, so obviously this is a Sikh festival. Um, this year it's celebrated on April 14th, so that's today uh, in Australia. But this does change yearly uh, based on the Sikh calendar. Uh, they go off um, a much, much different calendar to us. So it's always on the first day of the um i forget what it was called i didn't write it down but it was yeah the first day of a particular part of the Sikh calendar and that it usually falls around april or may each year so the original baisaki day was march 30 in 1699 and it's super important and why is it super important i hear you ask well on this day the guru god god Gobind Singh, I even practiced this one, he was the 10th guru. He founded the Akal Khalsa, which is the community of the pure. Uh, This group led an important role in. Resistance against the Mughal rule, and now each year Baisakhi is celebrated enthusiastically by all Sikhs. So, other than uh, political rulings, uh, the Guru Gobind Singh uh, also sought to eliminate social discrimination of people in different castes and statuses of society. So, he's a a pretty loved uh, Guru of the Sikh people, so I think that's why. This festival in particular is celebrated quite enthusiastically. Uh, So, fun fact, Guru... Gobind Singh um decided to give every Sikh the surname Singh which means lion uh and he did this after doing away with discrimination which allows all Sikhs the opportunity to live lives full of courage sacrifice and equality which is why he uh decided to change everybody's surname to Singh and then uh he also didn't discriminate against Sikh women and said all women embody royalty and therefore changed their names to Kao, which means princess. So, all Kaur? Kaur? I thought it was Kaur. K-A-U-R. K-A-U-R. Yeah, that's right. So, Kaur, um, which, yeah, means princess. So, that's, that's pretty cool. You're either a princess or a lion if you're a Sikh. So, how did they celebrate? They have morning prayers each day, uh, and after their prayers, they get a special dessert known as the Kata Prasad, which sounds amazing because we always talk about food here on the Spirit Lounge for some reason, so they get food. Uh, and then they have Lengar. So this is where volunteers serve uh, free vegetarian meals to the community So they welcome anybody to this part of the um, celebration of Baisaki. Uh, So they're they're outsiders are welcome. And absolutely anybody can volunteer to serve food. It's not just Sikhs themselves. It's not... um, you know, men or women, it's anybody is able to do that, which is also very nice. And then they have parades and processions. Uh, so they carry the scripture around while members of the Sikh community sing songs, prayers and dance. Dance, And if you have seen Punjabi dancing, it is incredible. And they have a very specific uh, special dance for Baisaki, which I looked up and it's so vibrant and so colourful. So in relation to tonight's topic, uh, the celebration of Baisaki, men and women usually wear bright coloured clothes. So they stick away, steer clear of you know the whites and greys. Uh, so the ten the men traditionally will wear turbans and kurtas with brightly coloured waistcoats, and the women wear lahenga, choli or salwar kameez suits. Um, but I'll go into more details about what they are later in the show. And you are on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. Sorry, Mark, stole your glory there.
2: Oh, it's, it's terrible, isn't it, really?
0: <laughs> um, so we did get a message through about that song. Thanks, Paige, for messaging in. She said, bang and tune there, gang, better than the original. I agree. I actually really enjoyed that song, and I got up and did my version of the Punjabi dance, um, which obviously you can't see, but I have my hands in the air, and I'm doing the the twisty hand
2: and our therapy will start tomorrow but anyhow we're talking about clothes tonight on the spirit lounge and if you as uh, if you want to join in the conversation as Paige did you can text us on 0427 joy 949 or email us on air at joy.org.au or contact us via the joy app if you've got any questions about religious clothing um send them in and we'll try and answer them to the best of our abilities
0: or if you have information about religious clothing that we might might not know about if if you are religious and there are things that people in in your religion or culture wear let us know and tell us why you
2: would be very interested here definitely now you were talking about it's the Sikh festival on at the moment and talking about some clothing that they wear
0: Yes, sure. I was. So I'm going to go into a bit of detail. It's actually funny, um, going off their names, I wasn't sure what these items of clothing were. But, you know, a little little search in, in Doc, uh, Professor Google tells me uh, that I do actually know what they are when the beautiful images come up. So the first item I mentioned was uh, the turban. So most of us know what a turban is, but the Sikhs uh, specifically call their turban uh, Dastar. Um and yes, yeah, so it's a very uh, everyone knows what a turban is right
3: yes, it's yes. basically a thing that you wind around your head, and there's different varieties, but I think the Sikh one's the most um well known it's quite large because they've got um because one of the rules about being a Sikh is that you don't cut your hair, so you have. You need a very long or large turban to wrap all your very long
0: hair Hair around, yes. Uh, So it has been an important part of the Sikh religion since the time of the very first Guru. Uh, So uh, Guru... Agad Dev honoured Guru Amar Das with a very special Das star uh, when he was declared the next guru. So that's kind of how it's been passed on. Um, And then the second item of clothing I mentioned is the kurta, which um, originally was male clothing, uh, but women also wear kurtas now as well. Um, So it is the traditional, it's also known as the... uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, straight cut shirt. So it's uh, long sleeved, uh, sits usually just above the knees or at the knees, um, and traditionally does not have a collar. Although uh, new modern versions of the kurta are often made with collars that stick up, uh, but that that's not traditional. So um, and yes, yeah, so it doesn't have any specific religious meaning, but. Um, It's now an item of clothing that is often worn over jeans. You can also wear it over, it says, pajamas and leggings. uh, But most commonly these days, the kurta is worn over jeans. Then we have... Now... I, the one that I had written down was called the Lihenga Choli, but it is also known as the Garga Gagra Choli. And this is the traditional uh, beautiful dresses. They're big and flowing, and usually have bits of material wrapped around the middle of them. There's often a bit cut out in the middle. Think like a belly dancer's dress. So the big flared skirts. This is the traditional. Dress that Sikh women would wear at this festival.
2: Different to a sari.
0: Different to a sari. I will get that difference for you. We might have to come back to that. And then there was. There's also the shalwa kameez, and this is the like the two piece that women wear. So it's the. Um, like the the pants that are usually beautifully hand sewn uh with the slightly longer shirt slash dress over the top also very beautiful so uh yeah that often that's often worn with a a shawl as well or a scarf Um,
3: yes so these are um and i think a lot of these these items of clothing are not Specific to Sikhs, they're um, they're worn throughout um, South Asia, throughout India. And yeah, so physical. I think it's
0: it's more of their um, celebratory outfits. So the Sikhs wear it during celebration periods, which uh, most of the Southeast Asian and uh, countries also wear these outfits during celebration times as well. So it's less of a, a religious outfit, but more of a celebratory that they happen to wear during religious events. So the Sikhs are known for their for their um their long hair and their turbans
3: and there is actually um a set of items that every Sikh every um everybody who, who practices Sikhism is supposed to wear or carry with them and they call it the five Ks, which come after their names in um Punjab, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Um, and I'm not going to try and pronounce them, it, the original 5Ks, but they are basically that um, they're not the, – the first item is the hair, that you don't cut your hair, So and therefore many men will wear a turban around that. The next is a comb that you wear in your hair. Then there's a, particular, there's a, a metal bracelet. Uh, then there's a style of um, cotton undergarments, and we might come – back to this later because the Sikhism is not the only religion that has special
2: undergarments
3: Undergarments. and and what I think is the most interesting is the fifth item which is the kirpan a sword which originally was actually used as a sword but is now I think mostly ceremonial but every Sikh is supposed to carry this with them all the time so I'd really love to know how Mm. that goes in um, airports and similar situations yeah but, um, there, there must be um, I'm assuming there must be special rules because I know there are in some countries there are other rules about that people who wear that men who wear turbans are in some places exempt from wearing motorcycle helmets um this is what my parents told me that that because they've got their hair and the turban that that is enough to protect them <laughs> or that they, they don't wow. need to wear motorcycle helmets so I perhaps there's a special rule for the knife as well very possible.
2: There is. It depends where you are. There are some. Uh, there's the way some parts of the world get around the knife thing is about its length. So it's of a certain length, and therefore there's a um, exemption in the law that allows knives of a certain length to be carried. Uh, and so that's how um, in in some societies that's how the law gets around this. This because it's, it's essentially a concealed weapon. Yeah. Um. So that's how the law moves around this in terms of being able to accommodate a faith group and allow them to continue that faith, which I think is a really good way of looking at wiggling around to allow people to carry on a tradition that is a legitimate tradition for mm-hmm. them and part of their beliefs. So I think that's really good. So, yeah, it's about length in some jurisdictions.
0: And now, I just did a quick uh, little search about the difference between the sari and the choli, uh, just visually, this sari is more tight-fitted. So I think um, traditionally these days you're like more likely to see uh, a young woman wearing a sari, which is – it's more fitted and then has the shawl, whereas the choli uh, is quite flared. It's like a big, um, you know, when you twirl around skirt, something that goes fully out round. It's roomy. It's roomy. But, yeah, but it's still, like, incredibly beautiful. So – well, going on from
3: the Sikhs. Well, this question actually started, um, it was a, it was one of our last questions last week for our, one of our FAQ set, uh, questions. And I think it was Rachel who asked Mark about wearing the kippah. And yes. when I was looking at various kinds of clo- uh, clothing in different religious traditions, it does seem that head headwear or hats or shawls or covering the head is a common theme in many religions, which I – and I haven't found why that is, but I think that's that's an interesting question. And, and it's actually something that's – it's one of the most visible things about a religion in some cases, and it's been something that's uh, contested in various places. Um, France for a long time has has made it, I think, difficult in some places to wear certain religious outfits or signs of – of religious faith, yeah, and
2: um, in okay. terms of in terms of public buildings um, and employees of government institutions, and uh, as far even as far as um, children wearing a cross or a crucifix as a, uh, on a necklace, that sort of stuff is, is, to my understanding, banned in France. That said, if you go to a religious school, it's totally acceptable. It's just in the secular, oh, okay. so the government funded schools or working in the public service.
3: Okay, so it's not as not as widespread as I thought, but, mm.
2: but it's really it's not... interesting because mm. if you walk around your workplace, you'll see a, a, a vast number of people wear very discreet, usually but often usually visible signs of their religious traditions. So the common one is a cross. Um, you know, there's there's various takes on that that people wear, and it's it, in Australia or for most people, it's not it's not confronting, but in France, it would be illegal if you worked in for government.
0: But what about people who wear things like crosses that are just wearing them for fashion as well? Mm. Because sometimes religious things are uh, fashionable as well. Like, for example, I've also worn a turban-like thing on my head, so a head covering that covered all of my hair and had, like, a nice little twist at the front, um, which some uh, Muslim women wear a covering similar to the one that I'd worn as well, and it was just because I was having a bad hair day. So, like... it's like I'm not trying to offend anybody of that religion by doing so. But uh, some of these things have become quite fashionable. So and I think is the, that acceptable? And the interesting thing is that some some of these customs have
3: started off as practical things and become part of a religion. And um, especially, I think, for those religions that have, you know, originated in hot places, wearing something on your head is a very sensible thing to do. Yes. And then they've become associated with a particular religion where it's turned into, turned into a rule. So it's so in a sense, wearing um, wearing a turban or a headscarf doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of that religion and there shouldn't be a problem with it.
0: Yeah, and, and as well, uh, based on where people live. So in the Middle East, uh, you have to wear... Sleeved clothes and and whatnot, and if you are seen leaving the airport without sleeved clothes on, uh, can be a big issue. And Paige knows that firsthand about leaving the airport in Middle Eastern countries without having your shoulders covered. Are there signs in the airport saying you need to? Oh, there should be. I don't know if there are, but yeah. So that's that's another thing that you know whether it's religious or cultural as well. So some some things are just cultural, but because of the country's inherent religion. A special request for our special
3: guest, Clayton, who's just popped into the studio.
1: I just like hanging around, Joy. Because
3: we were, um, this is our, you're on the Spirit Lounge, and this is, we've been talking about clothes and religion, and we were talking about special Sikh underwear earlier, and Clayton mentioned that he knows a bit about Mormon underwear as well. If, if that's the right term. I don't know what you, if that's what you call it. Oh, I
1: don't know the right term for it. (laughs) uh, I used to date a Mormon boy when I was living in Hong Kong and, uh, yeah, I have seen in the flesh the actual Mormon underwear. (laughs) In the cotton, yes, Yes. very nice. I asked him what's the significance and he said he's not allowed to say. So there's apparently an embargo of explaining the underwear to people.
3: To people who aren't Mormon.
1: Yeah, so he, because he was, apart from the fact he Clearly had sex with men. Um, he was quite a strict Mormon. Otherwise, had so. sex with men
3: who were not Mormon. Yeah, as well, well they too. So yeah,
1: I, well, I'm not sure if they're supposed to have sex with each other either, though. So, um,
3: yeah. I've always wondered about those little going out on two by two in their missionary work.
1: Yes, I have wondered things too, but that's mm. a different story for a different later show. Uh, so, yeah,
3: there you uh, go. So, uh, so all we know is that it's special, secret underwear. That
2: so they're called temple garments. Oh. is apparently what they're called. Mm-hmm. That's the underwear. Not It's not what you wear on the outer. And apparently you're not supposed to take them off unless what you're doing you possibly couldn't do without taking them off. So the example is swimming. So you're allowed to take them off to go swimming, but you must put them back on straight away afterwards. And you're not supposed to display them for people who won't understand their significance, which goes back to what Clayton was saying. I can't tell you what they're really about because you're not part of the clan. So-
1: well, he definitely displayed them, though. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's one- yeah,
1: and definitely the activities we were doing you couldn't do with them on really, so that probably <laughs> works out well. Uh,
0: <laughs> is it is it two separate pieces or is it a onesie?
1: A two separate pieces. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. and and it's so we oh we, so it's top and bottom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, oh, we looked I at see. some pictures before, and it it does look like like a t-shirt with little shorties. So yeah, and just looks like. Um, Something that you would wear under your clothes when it's cold. Yeah, and it,
1: it, it's, it's sort of like that thermal underwear. Long it does get the, it. And it has a little cross sewn in sort of just under the nipple. Um, oh. So it's they were very interesting. Um, they were kind of hot because of the um, Hot disobedience. as in no, not warm disobedience. or? No, as in hot. It was quite Because it was like um, an act of disobedience, Like it, that actually was, of course, a turn-on, which if I go back to my uni days, it makes perfect sense. People yeah. explaining sociology and stuff, yeah. So
0: So another thing is that they they get given to you once you um, go through a certain... like I guess it's like a christening, but I, mm. I don't remember the, the name for it. So, you, you, Mark's...
2: No, I can't remember the name either. It, oh. it had an unusual term.
0: Yes. Anyhow. So, once you go through that, um, along with your, the rest of your holy stuff that you're given, you, you're, so you're given like the Bible and the um, holy water or something, and then they, they give you these undergarments, um, and they have been referred to by non-Mormons as... Um, magic underwear and apparently that is very offensive to I can Mormons. imagine that being offensive. Yes. Yeah, so mm. um refer to them as as temple garments.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they wear more than that in the, in the temple though. I'm assuming they do. But Oh, well,
0: presumably.
3: Yeah.
1: Could be a very interesting service. Do they <laughs>
3: only
0: ha- do they only have one set or do they have more than one oh, month. that's a good it? question because if be you're bit... only given the one when you're you're going through this ceremony, Mark knows the answer. You can
2: buy them online.
0: <laughs> oh. I, uh, do you have sir- to put in like a membership number?
2: You do. That's the catch. You have okay. to put in a membership number um, so you can buy them online because you're supposed to wear them all the time. So you wouldn't want to be wearing the same pair. That would not no. be very attractive. Do anyway, you...
0: If you put on weight as well, you'd
3: mm. need...
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just not going to work.
0: Do you wear... Um, non-Mormon underwear under your Mormon underwear.
1: He just wore the Mormon underwear. So okay. So, there was no other underwear.
0: Because they're not, they're not very, um, they don't really hold anything in place. No,
1: but they look quite comfy though. Okay. So, mm.
0: But the women's version, mm, what about, what about a bra? Do they not wear bras? Ooh.
2: That's a good question. It doesn't look like, from the photos you can see, it doesn't look like it, it would be It doesn't look very like supportive.
0: it's very supportive. That's... That's what we're getting to.
1: If there are any Mormon women listening, they could probably let us know. On... Yeah,
0: or Mormon men. You should, you would probably know about uh, women the women's clothing as well. But, yeah, you don't have to identify yourself if you want to. No, no. Messages. Yeah. But we we love getting uh, information here at the Spirit Lounge and it's completely judgment-free here. This is a, a safe place to tell us um, your story. So definitely send us a message, 0427 JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au. Thanks, Clayton, for your
1: input. No problem. I was just walking past and yeah. had stuff.
0: So. Well, that's good. We we were going to get to that, but it's it's good to have an actual real life example. Hmm. Not that you're wearing any, but no, that would but, have been great. But you've got more up close experience than
3: that's right. the rest of us. And
1: I got to like dating him. I got to find out information about the Mormon religion, which was great because I love learning new stuff. And even though I'm not religious, I love learning about religion. So,
0: yeah, I love learning about every religion too. Changes my mind on things. Yeah, cool. So, moving on from there, where do we go to next? Do well, we, yes.
2: Do you want to talk about sitzit?
0: Um,
3: is, uh, is that a word in a? Uh, that's a word in a language that I'm not familiar stand, with. Stand,
2: stand, stand, stand. No, it's down. not stand stand I thought well, since <laughs> we're talking about Mormon underwear,
3: let's talk about other kinds of underwear. Well, let's
2: talk about undergarments not so much underwear so we've talked about Sikh have special undies Mormons have undies and a shirt so we're sort of moving up the body if you like so let's talk about tzitzit so for those of you who don't know what tzitzit are if you look at orthodox Jewish men you will see they have these little white strings hanging down
3: ah yes
0: hanging down from
3: underneath their
2: shirts
0: Oh. Just just hanging. Just hanging. You don't know where they come from because you can't they sort see They come that. out from
2: underneath their shirts, just little, and there'll be four little clusters of them, and they're tzitzit. Do tell us more. So it, it so tzitzit comes from a commandment in the Torah, which says that on the corners of your garment you will hang tzitzit, these little strings. And so for um, very observant Jewish men... They will wear what is called a katan talit, which means little prayer shawl, and on the co- and that's a four cornered garment, um, usually like a t-shirt without the seams sewn up, if you like. That's the most common variety that you can get. And on each corner, they have. So a little it's like sisi. a bib?
0: So it just go. It's just got a head hole.
2: Yeah, basically a head <laughs> hole, and some of them have little arm holes. Some of them don't. They just sort of sit over as like a shawl. Yeah. Um, and for some men, they will. Part of, it depends on how you interpret the law, but part of what they do is the the way the Torah is written, it talks about you will look upon your tzitzit so they believe that they should be showing at all times. And that's, so that's what these little strings that you will often see hanging out from underneath Jewish men's shirts are. They're called tzitzit. What's so, the,
0: yeah, Yeah, I what, think we've got the same the question. What's the, of it? what's the significance of the tzitzit?
2: Um I'm not really sure other than in the Torah it talks about being a reminder of God being omnipresent ever present um and so it's another way to remind you that God's around all the time it it's a it's a it's a biblical um commandment but it's kind of like wearing a kippah kippah is has been given that same sort of um, understanding not in the same way as a, as a sit sit sitsit sit is considered much more significant but that so that 's what they are that 's where it comes from it 's to remind you that God is omnipresent ever with you, so when you look down upon your sitsit you 'll remember god
3: so and that's I mean that 's like a common theme in, in other i mean i think that's for for example for the for Christians who wear crosses that 's another it 's a reminder about the about the sort of fundamentals of our faith. So, um, oh my gosh, uh, Mark has actually brought props.
2: So I, I do have one in the studio which you, like, you can't see. We will We'll take, but, we'll,
3: we'll take a, a photo at an opportune time. At
2: an opportune time, so you can understand what a sitzit is. Or in, a tallit. Do you Katara. do you wear?
3: Do you
0: wear a sitzit?
2: Not very often. No.
0: Do are there a particular amount of strings or pieces of tassel? that are intertwined together or is that not defined? Yes,
2: there is. I believe the number is eight off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Um, I might have to count them in the break and we can work it out. But yeah, there are, so the Sitsit, which is these little pieces, the Sitsit actually just refers to the strings on the corner. Yeah. And if there's not four, the garment is considered not kosher. So it's not usable. Um, (sighs) So, you have to have four tzit, Um but if one should come off, the garment is no longer kosher, and you would remove all the sitsit. And then it's just. You couldn't just of cloth. replace it? You can replace it if you oh, want. Oh, okay. To.
0: Yeah. Um, I know, in uh, for example, uh, at some Christian weddings, they have uh, bits of rope or um, fabric, and there's three pieces, and they make like a braid out of it, and that's about like the two people and God, all being intertwined together. So I thought maybe there was significance around that sort of idea because they're intertwined somewhat. There's a the whole tassel. heap
2: of things that I can't remember off the top of my head about the making of sitsit, But I just thought, since we were talking about Mormon underwear, let's talk about, this is the the closest you'll get in the Jewish world. There's no special there undies go. for Jews. Um, we can wear whatever we like. The interesting thing about, uh, like we talk about a sit and uh, well, this is actually called... Uh, it's called a talit, a, a katan talit, which just means small. Now, a talit is a prayer shawl. Um, so, a, a Jewish prayer shawl is what only technically Jewish men, but some Jewish women wear it in the Reform movement. It's the big prayer shawls that you will see only worn on a Saturday morning, uh, only when, when the Torah is read from, yeah. um, and not where wear worn overnight. So, that's comes. Um, is part of the more liturgical dress, if you like. So um, that's the the Jewish equivalent. So we might have a talk about liturgical dress in other traditions just after this break. You're on the Spirit Lounge. And that was Any Dream Will Do, sung by John Barrowman, which is kind of interesting tonight on the Spirit Lounge. We've been talking about religious clothing, and just we've been talking about the Jewish um, practice of wearing a talit, which is a prayer shawl, and the practice of sit-sit. And I was right, there were there are eight cords in a um, which makes it kosher. But it's interesting, we've been talking, we've sort of gone from undergarments to outer garments and, and what you would wear in a, a service, because obviously a tallit is something that Jewish men at least will wear, but some Jewish women will wear as well in terms of at a Torah service. But I suppose it goes along, Claudine, in terms of looking at the religious attire of priests in the, the Christian liturgies.
3: And I was uh, when you were describing the Sitzit and I was imagining it inaccurately. But um, and we'll note that that song came from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, which is of course from um, Genesis. Oh, I should know this: the story of Joseph and who, who was um, given a given a special coat, and coats are. Are significant as well, and so when you were talking about the the tzitzit, what I was actually imagining was something that priests in the Catholic tradition wear, which is a chasuble. And
0: oh, is that the big tassel that that hangs around their waist? No, no, that's, that's something a, else.
3: That's just to that's just to hold your cassock up, <laughs> if that's what you're thinking.
0: <laughs> the chasuble
3: is, um, and we've actually, we'll have a we had a photo of this on on uh, Facebook, so it's the the chasuble is worn by the priest who is celebrating the the service of of the mass so it's um there's a couple of different styles but the one that i've seen is it's almost not quite round but it's it's supposed to refer to the um seamless garment that jesus wore at the last supper so that that was supposed that's another kind of coat or a robe um so it's and it's become it's interesting it's become a bit of a there was a a moment in the 19th century when the church of england was fighting about uh with the church of england being a bit divided between the more catholic side and the more protestant side there were the catholic side was saying we want to bring the Chasuble back and um to affirm our our origins in the Catholic Church and it was it caused an uproar among the the more Protestant Anglicans who so the the Chesapeake actually became a symbol of this division between the I guess that what some people call the high and the low Anglicans. But mm-hmm. that's just one example of clothing that's worn in worship as opposed to in ordinary life. And it's it's been said, I don't know how truthfully, but um among the Anglo Catholic churches there's often a significant population of gay men and when I was very new to this, um people would keep saying to me, um, this church is full of gay men because it gives us an opportunity to, to dress up and being somebody who's not really into dressing up, um that didn't really uh, make sense to me, but I think I I think there might be there might be something there. Hmm. But it was interesting because um, because Rachel's talked about her dad wearing Hawaiian shirts in church, which, in one sense, is a complete opposite. But in a sense, another sense, it's it's another statement. It's 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 also an, another kind of celebration. It's it just looks very different. Yeah. I mean, was it
0: was it something that he did very often? Yes. So my dad, he uh, would often explain that sometimes he just needed to wake the congregation up. He wanted to make sure that it wasn't just any old sermon. And when he did that, he would wear something loud. Uh, And it's funny because actually on Stand Up Straight, um, I came in to talk to Michelle and Stephanie and Clayton, and we were talking about how uh, Paige had sent a message into them talking about her dad singing and dancing around in his underwear. And then I said, do you know what, I can. O- the only time I could picture my dad doing that is if he was going to do a sermon and decided to show up in his underwear to, like, he often did things that would stop people and make them think. So, like, one service, he got someone to answer their phone during the middle of a service and got a child to yell out and stuff so that he could go... Like these are the distractions of the world, but is it going to take you away from God, and blah blah blah. So he did do things like wear a Hawaiian shirt, but um that wasn 't just for waking people up. he also just really enjoyed wearing Hawaiian shirts so
3: yeah. it 's funny i just I was thinking earlier today about um, I was at an ordination service on Black Saturday, which we didn 't realize was going to be Black Saturday at the time, but it was no, something up forty three degrees, and this was in St Paul's Cathedral. So there is, I don't know, hundreds of of clergy wearing their very hot and heavy um, robes, and and they're actually and I knew because I'd seen them earlier that most of them had you know, shorts and t-shirts and thongs underneath. So yeah. in in a way, having special clothes is a way of of making you equal and sort of hiding. Um, you can sort of put away what you're what you're wearing and, underneath, and and kind of put yourself yeah. yourself, yeah.
0: But if any, oh, I think it, I think it's a dress up thing. It's just a show I'm the boss, so everybody listen to me. That's what I see when I see um, churches where the priests are wearing um, like specifically dressed up, especially at, like the Catholic Church where they wear jewels and like heavy metal around their necks and stuff. I'm just like, you just want everybody to know that you're the boss standing up the front and stuff. Whereas I I always found it quite humbling that, you know, someone like my dad who's wearing a, a um, Hawaiian shirt and just like sneakers can, can get up and tell a sermon just as well as the person who is wearing extravagant clothing. So yeah well, the, the argument
3: from the other side is that that sort of extravagant clothing is meant to reflect the um the glory and the beauty of of god and yes. and it's owned by it's it's the property it's not the property of the priest it's owned by by the church, yeah. so you know, the priest don't doesn't can't afford this sort of stuff on their own mostly but it's yeah i mean and it's it is something that that a lot of people have have difficulty with because you you think well if um if you're spending five hundred dollars on a set of investments, there's other things you could do with those five hundred dollars, and that's, I think that's a it's a fair question to ask. I um, don't have a specific answer to that, but
0: I think oh sorry, Mark, do you want to jump in?
2: I was going to go off on another tangent. I was just thinking, I was just thinking about the Tali, because it's the closest thing we have in Judaism, but it actually has a practical purpose. So in Judaism, you're not allowed to touch the Torah scrolls with your hands. So the way you would, most people would touch it with is with a talit, um, which is the cloth, the cloth, the big cloth that we wear. And there's a good reason for that because these scrolls are made out of leather. Um, they're kosher. They're painted on the letters. So human oil out of your skin damages the scroll. So it's a yeah. ve- it's a way of taking something very practical and making it look very holy. Now I wonder whether there's a whether that's also part of. you know, We talk about vestments, but it's also about saying. Uh, for me, it's 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 also. I wonder if it's about saying that this is a really important occasion, and we've gone all out. It's like having the queen around for dinner. You're not going to get out your cheap Target or Kmart or wherever you've got of those cups and saucers that you use every day. You're going to get out something that your mum bought you, aren't you? Like that's that's what it's about.
0: I'm pretty sure uh, my mum bought me cups and saucers from Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. I I just one final point on this. I think um, religious clothing is almost more of a tradition thing now for all of all of the religions. It's just traditional. There's other than obviously you mentioned the purpose of, um, using the talik for the, the Torah there, a lot of the uh, traditions no longer serve the purpose that they once did. Um, But yeah,
2: very interesting. And we've had a show talking all about religious clothing, and we've gone in some interesting places. Um, So thank you to Clayton, who came in and said some special memories about Mormon undergarments. But also thanks to Rachel and Claudine, who have being part of this wonderful show so we're going to play one last song and it's called stack hat by the rosie burgess trio but i'm told rachel doesn't know what a stack hat is
3: a stack hat is an 80s design icon from australia it's mm-hmm. a bicycle helmet it's a very <laughs> large bicycle helmet i wore a stack hat when i was riding my bmx so i'm showing my age and it's good night for myself claudine good night from rachel
2: and good night from mark